you dying now? Yep. Continuously dying. Well, I think you've just kind of got to experience it all at once, so like... Uh, I don't think that counts if you actually die. I don't think you can go backwards. And that's the problem with the circle. Here's the thing, you would experience the moment of your death. You experience the moment of your death. Just the moment of your death. So you can Yeah, but you wouldn't know what dying feels like. No, you wouldn't, because it would just be like... You would know what dying feels like for the entirety of your life, because you're experiencing all of the knowledge. Did you hear our dog fart? Bethany. And this is Home Viewing, a podcast where we watch our whole film library in alphabetical order. We're actually a little bit late with this episode because I just started a new job, which... But like, yay. Yeah, I mean, which is cool because with this new job, I'll be able to, you know, maybe get another mic so that we don't have to spend about 20 minutes before each episode setting up to make sure that you can actually hear Bethany. Hmm. And, you know, working around our dogs... That was perfectly on cue. I love that. Working They're well trained. Yes, working around our dogs, you know, knocking down our EQ box and be having to reset it every time. Okay, so what did we watch for y'all this time? Wait, isn't that loud noises? Does it? No, I it's more it like does. eerie. Like... Oh. Arrival. Yes, a wonderful tale. Of a child who was born and dies. This is barely about her. It's a lot about it her. All, it's, she's only like a device to make the whole thing make sense. Well, yeah, but also it's... Listen. But also, donate, donate to pediatric cancer research. It's very underfunded, if you didn't know. Because peop, little children can't pay for anything. Oh, boy. Uh, 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 so, Arrival, nominated for eight different Academy Awards. <laughs> That is a lot, isn't it, Athena? Yeah, eight Academy Awards, including Best Actress, Best Picture, a picture Best Cinematography, wins one of them, Best Sound Editing. Which, like, yeah, I get. I guess. Like, okay. It's funny because it won Best Sound Editing, but not Best Sound Mixing, and usually people win both of those because there's... No, well, not this year. Yeah, right? no, this year it was Dunkirk. Oh, both of them? Yeah. Boo. I mean, I liked Dunkirk, Dunkirk and the music was great. The sounds were great, not the music. The music music was pretty okay. But it didn't deserve, like, best music or whatever. Well, no, it didn't win best, it didn't win best score. Best score, I think, went to uh, Shape of Water. Oh, God. Best blah, but it should have gone. Baby Driver. No. Baby Driver needed a music Okay, there wasn't a music award for Baby Driver, though, because Baby Driver didn't have much of a score because the soundtrack wasn't scored. Baby Driver should have won Best Sound Editing. It should have won Best Sound Mixing. It should have won, I think, Best Editing in general. And, yeah, that's well, what let's say that for that episode. But let me tell you, you know what I think should have won? You know what I think should have won Best Original Score? Phantom Threat. Johnny Greenwood made, like, really competent chamber music. It was, like, very oh eerie. And, like, Alex Well, was- this is very eerie here on Arrival. Yes. Oh, so... I read my one box article per um, podcast, right? 
So the song that you hear in the beginning is actually in a few other films. Really? Mm-hmm. You have you seen Shutter Island? I've seen parts of Shutter. Oh, you need Shutter to. Island. And apparently, The Innocence. I don't know what that is. It's called "On the Nature of Daylight" by Max Richter. You know, it sounds like the kind of. Yeah, this person says he he calls it the saddest song in the world. Oh my god! Because <laughs> you play it on your tiny little violin. Uh, it is very sad because so the movie opens with this montage of Amy Adams raising a daughter who dies of cancer as a teenager, and uh, you know there are a lot of movies I feel like that like to open with that sort of gut punch. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one two, for example, up. Up really opens with the same kind of one-two, but this one's a little bit different because, you know, we don't even get to meet the child that they miss carrying up. We do... Oh, God. We do get to meet this child in here. Like, if you knew nothing about Arrival going in, you would just think it was about a woman trying to deal with the grief of losing her daughter. And it still kind of feels like that, uh, even up until we get to the aliens. Because, you know, we see Amy Adams, who is phenomenal in this movie. Amy Adams is just uh, teaching a linguistics lecture that is basically empty until uh, one of her students tells and then one of her students tells her to put on the news and oh look, UFOs have landed throughout the world at uh, 12, 12 sites, I think, is how many there were. Mm. Well, there some more. Maybe more. I don't know. It was. It was like. They were trying, and then they were like, we were trying to figure out what causes this, but it seems like it's just exactly random. Yep. But I bet if you look at the map, it makes like a waveform or something. <laughs> I think I think there was one joke about a singer who having like a hate in all of those places, or uh, something about lack of like lightning strikes too that they talked about. Oh, also, if we're talking about this movie out of order, it's because we experienced time. Okay. Oh my goodness. What? Do you not like bits? Do you want this to be a no bits podcast? No bits. Taking names. Sick cast for today. Sick cast for today. Mm-hmm. John has infected me with a virus, which I would not have gotten had we not lived together, because I did not contract it. Because I contracted listen. it from him living in my house. Listen. In your house. Yeah, you you revoked ownership when you gave me the virus. Oh no! Yep, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the nice thing about when your language isn't tied to speech, is you don't really need to use your voice to speak. Oh, that's true. I guess I could learn ASL or something. Or, you know, have to pod. <laughs> that name is so lazy. Let me tell you, that just means seven foot. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Was really? It, we couldn't come up with, like, a Greek name? A better Greek name or anything? They had a scientist and a linguist in there. What did you think was But, okay, happen? but my mind was blown. I forgot about this the first time I watched it. That there was more to them than the feet. It's a huge fucking, like, time-space bullshit thing. Oh, wait. Do we, are we a family podcast? No, we have an explicit okay. tag. We're allowed to cuss as much as we fucking want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Mind blown. Uh, that was a good device, I, I think. Feel like, I feel like we're really not digging enough into the premise of the movie to just start talking about this stuff, but... Hey, you just said, you know, time isn't linear, it's a circle. So... Time's a flat circle. That's not what he sounded no, like. No, that's, that, that, that's, that's something Matthew McConaughey says on True, True Detective. Oh, 
Oh. Well, we could talk about Daddy Michael Stahlberg. Oh, my God. Michael Stahlberg showing up in this movie. I forgot he was in this movie. You forgot? No, I did forget oh. he was in this movie. From the first watch or yeah, from well, I think when we watched it a few I days ago? I didn't really know who Michael Stahlberg is. Or That's like true, yeah. coming into it. We're a little obsessed now. Like, how to pinpoint how we got obsessed with Michael Stolbar? I don't even know how to explain that. Just like how we're obsessed with like everyone now. Yeah, but we didn't know who he was, and then, he sh- and then I realized, wait, I've been seeing him in all these movies for years and years. And also, I'm very bad at recognizing him without the mustache in movies that I've already seen. Also, I really hope we don't put everyone to sleep with this rain background noise. Sorry, can't control the weather, everyone. We gotta record this today. Yeah, absolutely. We thought that I was gonna be able to record this in the afternoon after work. Hey, did you guys know that having a 9 to 5 makes you tired? I don't know. You kind of watched me do a job, I don't know, for three and yeah, a half yeah, years. Yeah, this is the funny. This is the funny. And you were like, I don't know why you're so tired. Weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry I got annoyed at you for falling asleep during TV shows and movies for years. Maybe I understand now. So rude. To be fair, you do that on days where you haven't worked either. It's just very relaxing to me. <laughs> this is something else. Bethany grew up with a TV in her room. D- didn't everyone? No. No, I didn't. This Which is how is I was able to watch every single Disney movie under the sun. Yeah, but you see, that's why I don't fall asleep when I'm watching TV as much, because you used to watch it to go to sleep, which I just don't know how you could do that. Cause, like, that it was to keep the nightmares away. I just had the most terrifying... I just don't have... Damon, mommy! <laughs> You're right, Athena, we should get back on track. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but basically, yeah, this is a first contact movie, so it's... Is that the genre of first contact? Listen, you know that I'm going to make up a different genre for every movie that we come in. I mean, we had the first space disaster movie last week in our library. We're going to have at least two more. This was a first contact movie, which is a movie where humans meet aliens. And I love it. I love it a lot. But it's like a special kind of alien movie because it's like, it doesn't move super fast. There's not like, like there's a crisis, but it's not like... You have to save the world in one day. It's like I it's mean, kinda it's kinda like how something would unfold real time, probably. I'm gonna be honest, there's only like three real like physical settings for the action in this movie. And it's the base camp and the uh, around the heptapod ship. Mm-hmm. Um, the shell, I believe they called it in the on the film. There's, yeah, the Amazon Echo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alexa. Oh, oh yeah. No, but it's the echo. <laughs> yeah, no, but but Alexa. Her how pod, long, her how pod long will this canary pod. survive in here with me? <laughs> <laughs> they bring a canary in because they We're, don't know what This is horrible. Like, okay. First of all, if you... Okay, this is so outdated. If you brought a canary with you and you're meeting aliens, if the canary suddenly dies, that means you're probably about to suddenly die because I don't think you can control, like, backing out of the mine shaft that easily. They had to, like... They had to do, like, reverse gravity or whatever. Yeah. Which is just no gravity. But... <laughs> that was wild. Oh, I yeah. just don't think a canary would save you in this situation. Well, I see, this is what I like about this movie, though, is because it does kind of break with that sci-fi trope of, hey, aliens are basically like humans, but slightly different. You know? It's like, these are aliens that communicate entirely different. 
they experience time entirely differently. Their sense of design is entirely different. They're huge. They're very big. They're and they're able to like control gravity and like pump in and out the atmosphere that they need to breathe. And then you know they can convert other people to breathing their atmosphere too. Also, what was uh, weird about this movie is like. So she's a professor, and she gets a good enough living wage to have this, like, baller house. Yeah. Like... So she's a... Yeah, Amy Adams... Yeah, that was the other setting. Is, was it uh, a lake house? A of, yeah, at Amy Adams' lake house. Which must be close enough to whatever institution she teaches at to commute there, because that's also wild. Like, <laughs> Have you ever seen a lake, like, not built into a campus? No, I don't think like, I down have. the street? Like, <laughs> what kind of commute is that? She is recruited by Forrest Whitaker. General Forrest Whitaker. General. General Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, a great actor who is fantastic in this movie, and is, as he is fantastic in most movies. That Do you want to just go ahead and name drop? Because people might not have seen this movie. Yeah, um, and then of course uh, Michael Stolberg as the. Uh, I think it's implied that he's the CIA lead of the Psychotheron. Um, he seems to be the one who makes a lot of the final decisions. And then Jeremy Renner is also brought on for this Heptapod communication project. He is a physicist, and the first time they meet... Useless. Like, no one needs a physicist ever. Oh my god. Physics is made up. <laughs> physics is not made up. You wouldn't have biology without physics. Yeah. It's true. We could just explain everything in biological terms and but get no, rid of physics. Biology wouldn't exist without chemistry, and chemistry wouldn't exist without uh, physics. No. Oh my god. Forget those. <laughs> But uh, Jeremy Renner, I really actually like his character's intro because he uh, they're on the helicopter and Amy Adams' character hasn't realized that she needs to like turn on the radio in her headset for people to hear her. So, which you know that's something that's a lot is like that comes up a lot in the movie is obstacles to communication and like obstacles in understanding. Wouldn't you just assume that she doesn't know how to work a headset because she just listen? For a if living? It, it shows up early there, it shows up later on. It's an obstacle. The communication. It's a motif. It's a motif. <laughs> I'm just thinking, um, that Land of Confusion song by, um, is it Collins or Gabriel? No, it's Collins. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Genesis. Yeah, I, I think I I fully think that I'm a um, Phil Collins and not this Peter is not Gabriel. On topic. This is not on topic at all. I just wanted to get that out there because I finally figured out that you're a Phil Collins. Yeah. You can be both. You can like both. But I just feel like I'm probably... Okay, Ed! I'm not supposed to say that anymore. We're going to get back on topic now. <laughs> Jeremy Renner uh, has her turn on it, put on her headset, and reads to her the intro from her book, something about how language is, like, uh, universal. And I didn't realize that was her book. Yeah, no, no, because uh, he's... It's so he's a fanboy. It's phenomenal. Well, he, I, I think he found out that he was working with her and grabbed her book to, like try and figure out some, and he reads it to her as, like, something along the lines of, like, language is universal, oh, but you... it unites us, and then he says something, she said, she says, that's quite an introduction, he's like, yeah, yeah, you should know, you wrote it, and then he says, but, you're dead wrong, by the way, she's like, what, she's like, it's not the universal language, sciences. Oh, he's right there, though. He's wrong. No, he's right there. He's wrong, he's right. who figures, who figures out everything? Does he figure out everything, or does she figure out everything? Okay, but Listen, you can bring science to any country and people know win? what you're doing. This is a win for the liberal arts. No. I'm chalking this up. 
in the big liberal <laughs> arts versus science war. This is a win for liberal arts. This is a movie, baby. Yeah. It's not real. <laughs> if uh, you if you learn some science, maybe you'd get that one. <laughs> rude. Very rude. Very rude. Very funny. But think about it. They were at this base, so he had to ask someone to go buy this book from Barnes & Noble because there's no other bookstores left, and they had to drive it out to that base in the middle of nowhere and be well, like, here's your book, sir. They had to drive it out sir. to the helicopter that they had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were, they came in in a helicopter. Ugh. You can't drive there. Sorry. Yeah, because they've blocked it off. And the other thing that I like, too, is that at the beginning, they're collaborating with all the other sites throughout the world, with, I think, mm-hmm. the exception of China. Yeah, which, like, I don't know. If, I don't think... Well, maybe they would cur- still communi- do that, like, currently, because... Well, I mean, there's... It's, it was basically a race for intel. It wasn't really, oh, we're going to work with each other. It was, some like... Of it, some of it, at the beginning, it felt more like a scientifically collaborative process. Like, Which what, probably would have happened back in 2016. Oh, man. Rest in peace, society. <laughs> well, it just, like, looks like a very... At the beginning, it starts as, like, a very kind of... The military is helping out at first, is, like, helping out and supervising... But the scientists still seem to be running a lot of the show, and like that's why there's a lot of connection because you have like, Jeremy Renner and Michael Stolbart. Michael Stolbart's role is kind of confusing because you see him talking on the video call, and I th- I thought that he was like a, a lead scientist, and it wasn't until he started giving orders that I realized, oh no, no no no, he's not here to help. This movie likes to slowly reveal things, mm-hmm. like. You're kind of going on the same journey of discovery that the characters are. Yeah, I really like a real-time adventure, like, where you feel like you're with them. You assume, at the beginning of the movie, that this is, that Amy Adams is, like, post-child death. Right. Um, And and while she's there, you occasionally see her um, sort of having flashbacks to her time with this child. And it's only about halfway through the movie that you realize these flashbacks aren't just for us. Mm-hmm. She is experiencing them too. Because I think she actually says, "Like I had this weird dream where I had a kid." Yeah. But she's learning how their time works. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, you realize that she's having the two, and she's reacting to them, and it's very, very good. It's very good. There's one scene. Um, it also kind of engages with like real world tension of like what does happen when the military is in charge of a scientific. Yeah, the, the, the country that was trying to teach them chess instead of language. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. No, it was a China, China. Who, was using, who was using Mahjong instead of uh, Mahjong to speak with them. No, but there was one that was teaching them chess, because Mahjong wouldn't be like... No, it was Mahjong, it was specifically Mahjong. They were communicating through Mahjong tiles, but as they put it, because they... Um, Mahjong doesn't take that much strategy, though. You just pick the matches. No, but the fact of the matter is, because they were teaching them through a like method like. that can be won, rather than a method that is collaborative and meant to like come to like a concord, that's how they're going to interpret their intent uh, as you know either a win or lose situation. It's kind of like he start. She starts by like Whitaker's like, "Hey, my choice is either you or this other guy," and she says. Something along the lines of ask him what the Sanskrit word for war actually means, and she comes back to him and he's and he's like, so what did he say? A philosophical dis- philosophical disagreement, and maybe Adam says, oh really? I just think it's jealousy over cows, and it's 
Oh, it cracked me up because it sort of informs her worldview that like language really does cut down to the simplest things, and motivation is all very tangible. Which we found out is eventually the motivation for these aliens, for these heptopods. Um, we find out that their speech is not related to their written language, and that they do in fact have a written language. She uh, figures this out by bringing in a whiteboard and instead of trying to talk to them, trying to write for them. You know, the movie is actually pretty simple to explain plot-wise when you think about it. Um, like, it's not that much actually happens, because they stay in the same place for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, eventually what does happen is there is a uh, an attack on the shell by some soldiers who are, who have been, you know, watching videos from a white ring radio broadcaster which seems very, very scary and relevant to today. It felt kind of like a, kind of like a Pizzagate kind of thing. Like, I feel like the only way it could have been more effective is if they had had either Rush Limbaugh or Alex Jones uh, be the actual person. Oh my gosh. What's going on the screen against the aliens. What do you want to say about the movie? I think I pretty much said everything I want to say about the movie. Already? Yeah, I mean... Okay, I feel like there's something we haven't talked about that much. Which is? Amy Adams' performance. She did it good. She did so good. Like, actually, I don't think she was even nominated for Best Actress. Really? This one this year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people were very mad about it. I think you need to look that up. Would it be 2016 or 2017? Just look up Arrival Oscar nominations. See, this is the part where I asked you, would you like to look up anything? Um, best sound editing, best picture, best director. So it won sound editing, obviously. Um, best picture nominee, best director nominee, best writing adapted screenplay nominee, best cinematographer nominee, best film sound mixing. Yeah, no, no, no actor credits no, for anything. Yeah, no acting No one got anything. Which, like, doesn't make sense to me, because I feel like Jeremy Renner did a really good job, because... I feel like a lot of the time you see Jeremy Renner cast as like an action hero type. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what he plays here. Jeremy Renner in this just plays a nerd, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Amy Adams didn't get nominated for this, even though she carried the movie on her back. You see like the emotions that she's going through as she's like re-experiencing her daughter's death, or you know, at least as we think she's like experiencing her daughter's death again. And as she's like making breakthroughs to the heptopods, like, I don't. She is playing emotion so well off of a set of CGI insect legs, you know? That's what it is. That's what it is. She's playing emotion so well off of that. And like, you really believe that she is in this for discovery and interpretation, unlike everybody all around her. Like, ugh. It's. If I tell you who is nominated for the actresses and actors, you're gonna be so mad. Oh no, I know I am, because I remember being mad that you tell me. Uh, so actresses, Emma Stone for La La Land, Isabel Hooper for Elle, I don't, what was Elle? I don't remember. And then Ruth Negga for Loving, which I don't know what that is either. No, Ruth, ne uh, I, Ruth Negga is a good actress. That was the uh, movie about the interracial, the interracial marriage in uh, Virginia. 
that like it was like the first interracial marriage that like challenged the interracial yeah. anti-interracial marriage laws. Okay. And then best actor, you're really not gonna like this. Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Andrew won. Andrew Garfield, Hacksaw Ridge, and Ryan Gosling, La La Land. Ugh. But shameless plug, I love La La Land. <laughs> Listen. Because I love that good old Hollywood musical. <laughs> Athena's angry at the rain. Yeah, she she throws fits at the rain. <laughs> it, it really is unfair, though. You know, one one minute you're outside, the next minute it's pouring down rain while the sun is shining. Like, it's it's unfair. Very unfair. Um, I mean, should we reveal the twist? It's, like, not even kind of a twist. We already talked about the twist. But we haven't really said it. Life is not linear. Time is, Time not, is linear, not linear. But well, everyone knows that. What it is, is that through figuring out how this heptapod language works, which doesn't seem to have any tenses, and which is written and constructed like circularly all at once, Amy Adams' character sort of realizes, oh, they experience time differently than we do. To them, their whole life is happening to them all at once. And then that sort of explains, oh, that's why I'm able to see this daughter that I haven't had yet. And it's, and, you know, we eventually figure out this whole time, oh, none of these were flashbacks. This all happened after. But the burning, like, the burning question is, can you change it? Like, I guess she's doomed to have this daughter that dies, or would, does she just embrace it because, like, she, she wants to have that experience? And then that becomes the conflict. So because, can you change because, time then? Because, you know, through, while she's a lot of the flashbacks with her daughter have to do with her daughter, like, her father having left, or, like, problems with her and her, uh, her relationship with her, with her husband, and stuff like that. And there's actually one point where, after, you know, she finally fully understands the heptapod language, she actually says to Jeremy Renner, I just figured out why my husband left me. And Jeremy Renner says something along the lines of, I didn't know you were married. Which, uh, and so it's revealed that, oh, she's now able to experience all of time at once and experience all of time together. And that is a really climactic scene because we find out, finally, that China is getting ready to make, take military action against the heptapods. So uh, Amy Adams takes it upon herself to make sure that this is stopped, and we go into a flash-forward scene. And uh, she flashes forward to this banquet where she is meeting with the Chinese general who is leading the military action, and he gives her his personal number and tells her what she said to him on the phone call to make him call off the force. At which point she calls him and then says and then says to him his wife's dying words, and he calls it off, and they're able to communicate fully with the heptapods. And it's revealed that 3,000 years from now, Oh, it was revealed in her conversation with the heptapods, her unauthorized conversation with the heptapods, that 3,000 years from now, the heptapods are going to need humanity's help. So if humanity can understand it, can come to understand their language, by then, they'll be able to fully help them. Which... You think they would have come a little later? Like, I think 3,000 years is a lot of prep time, and people don't typically honor those. I feel like you see, you see the, 20 years might have been But you better. see the fast-forward in the future is that she's teaching classes on heptapod yeah. and like i think the idea is that oh this language will come forth and become the dominant language of humanity oh god that's horrible you think it's horrible it so it teaches the line of like 
do you want to know the future? Is it helpful to know the future? Sometimes it may not be helpful to know the future. And there's an argument to be had that once it is revealed, oh, guess what? The father of her dead child? Jeremy Renner's character. And it's revealed that he left because she told him about what's going to happen to his daughter, and now he can't look at his daughter the same because he knows he can't protect her from that. And that's what's interesting, too, is that unlike a lot of movies where time is played with and time is not linear like this, and, like, we see it, or, like, we get the ability to perceive time, it comes very clear that time is, like, completely predetermined within this movie, that events are predetermined, which seems a little bit... Which is how time kind of works, like... Well, it seems fatalistic, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, if you had no... Like, it's very anti a night's tale. But it's, um... Baby... No one can change their stars. No. If this... Yeah, Athene. It is sad. Every knight can change their stars. And that's and that's the problem. Yeah, see I didn't like that she couldn't do anything about because it her was daughter all, died. Because it's predetermined. It's like I I mean, I probably would try to not have that child and not have that experience, because it's human nature to protect yourself. I guess that's what we liked about the movie, Amy Adams' performance. What we didn't like the movie is the message about a predetermined nature of time. Oh, but, but let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> so this is actually a real-life controversy with, like, genetic testing. If you get your genes tested for adult-onset, like, diseases, you would know, oh, I'm probably going to get cancer. Do you want to know that? Do you not want to know that? It's like a huge ethical conundrum. Well, I mean, it's the same sort of thing, too, where it's like, it's like, a, you know, cultures have grown up around... If we're going to get the gene testing, cultures have grown up around, like, genetic disabilities, and it's like, do we want to eliminate those genetic disabilities and then, you know, eliminate the ability of those people to exist and, like, have those different experiences that we do? It's, I don't know. Well, I mean, Sweden has almost eradicated, like, Down syndrome in their country because of that. I think all the questions that we have and that we're thinking of that are, like, coming from this, from, like, the determinism of this movie... I think that's kind of what makes this a good movie. This is, like, at its heart, very much a puzzler of a movie. It's one that you really gotta kind of sit with for a while and think about. Um, like, we watched this with our good friend Chris, who is actually a member of Organ Machines, who provide the theme music for this podcast. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, and uh, we saw him a week after watching this movie, and he's like, I'm still thinking about it, and that's, like, one of the best movies I've seen in a while. And, like, I know a lot of people who maybe aren't necessarily as deep into movies as we are. Reads almost all of our friends, apparently. <laughs> and when they've seen this, they're like, this is a great movie. Um, I don't know. How many bucks would you give this movie, baby? I would give this movie six out of seven heptapod legs. I said barks. How many barks? Well, it doesn't seem like Dini's going to bark anymore, yeah. so I would give it about two trillion barks, because that's how much yeah. she barked while we were recording this. <laughs> Why would you do six out of seven? That's such a weird... Oh, that's a bad ratio. I don't like it. Six out of seven? No, do a normal one. Five or ten. Do a five star. 4.5 out of five. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is a very well-made movie. It's very well shot, well edited. Bradford Young, cinematographer, also the cinematographer on Solo, which I loved. Shameless he plug. is very, very good at what he does with lights. Like, a lot of people say that he washes out his movies too much, that they're too dark. 
but they're beautiful. But it's hard to talk this about one, cinematography on a podcast. This one was very bright, actually. Oh, that was beautiful. Which is weird for an alien movie. Well, it wasn't that bright because there were some scenes. Where, but I, I think it's not so much that his movies are bright. I think it's that he knows how to use shadow effectively. But I'm not going to harp on that because it's hard to talk about. This takes place during the daytime. This medium, anyway. Which is also weird for an alien movie. It mostly happens during the daytime. Yeah. Weird. So. All right, you want me to do my stars? What's your rating? Care? What's your rating, please? Three point seven five. Okay, let me let me do a conversion in my head. To what? Heptapoplex? To heptapoplex. This is your fault for picking that. I think it's about four out of seven heptapoplex. I don't care, I don't like that. <laughs> no, it's more than four. It's probably about five out of seven heptapoplex. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, so this is home viewing. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Pocket Podcast Network. You can find them on pocketpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, big thanks to the Oregon Machines. Thanks to our friend Chris for watching this with us. Anyone else you want to thank, Ben? Maybe Neil Armstrong. Why are we thanking Neil Armstrong? Because there's another movie about him coming out. It's featuring Ryan Gosling. Listen, I am excited about that. Alright! This is Home Viewing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to... Watch along uh, for... Oh, oh yeah, I guess gosh. we do need to do a little bit of housekeeping right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, because this episode is coming out a week late, we are going to be releasing another episode for you next week so that we can stay on schedule. And the movie that we are watching for that is James Cameron's Pocahontas in Space, Avatar, which a lot of people say no one has talked about since, like, it came out, and I would beg to differ. So... Take a watch of that, and we look forward to talking about it with you. See you next time. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.